Chapter Ten of the Life of Saint Paul. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Life of Saint Paul by Francis Alice Forbes. Chapter Ten, An Ambassador in Bonds. The safety of his prisoner secured. The tribune Lucius informed the Jews that the case had been transferred to the governor of Caesarea, to whom they had better go if they wished to give evidence. The high priest set off at once with his friends, but as they could not speak Greek, they engaged a lawyer named Tertullus to plead their cause before Felix. The court having assembled, Tertullus began his speech with a few compliments adroitly addressed to the governor. Not only was Paul a pestilent fellow, he argued, a raiser of seditions and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes, he had even made an attempt to profane the temple. If the tribune Lucius had only allowed them to manage their own affairs, he hinted delicately, all this turmoil might have been avoided for the Jews were obviously the right people to deal with such a case. Since, however, he had chosen to use violence, a riot had resulted for which they were not in the least to blame. The Jews would bear witness to his words that these things were true. A chorus of assent greeted the close of his speech, when Paul, at a sign from Felix, began his defense. It was but twelve days, he said, since he had arrived in Jerusalem, whither he had come on an errand of charity. During this time he had neither preached in public nor disputed, but had remained quietly in the temple at prayer. Concerning the accusation of heresy, it was true that he was of the sect that they denounced, notwithstanding which he firmly believed all that was written in the law and the prophets, and looked for the resurrection of the dead, which the Jews themselves acknowledged. The Sanhedrin had been able to prove nothing against him when Lysias had brought him before them. The men who had laid hands on him in the temple were certain Jews from Asia. Since it was they who had brought the accusation against him, why were they not there? Felix was in difficulty. He would adjourn the case, he said, until the tribune Lysias should be present. Unwilling to offend the Jews by setting Paul at liberty, yet fearful of the risk of passing an unjust judgment, he kept Paul for two years in prison. The soldiers received orders to treat him kindly, and to allow his friends to visit him, for Felix, who was not above taking bribes, hoped that the prisoner might persuade some of his well-to-do converts to pay handsomely for his release. Timothy and Luke hastened to Caesarea, with other faithful friends of the Apostle. The Christians flocked to visit him. He could continue his apostolate even thus, a touching and pathetic figure, and ambassador in chain. But Felix's career of iniquity came abruptly to an end. He was called suddenly to Rome in disgrace, and Portius Festus, an honest and upright man, was appointed in his stead. 
anxious to know something of the people over whom he was called to rule the new governor went up to jerusalem there he was assailed by the jews who demanded that paul should be sent to them for trial they had resolved if their request were granted to waylay and murder him on the road but festus refused to give up his prisoner let them bring their complaints to caesarea he said and he would give a fair judgment according to the roman law this however was more difficult than he had imagined the jews repeated the old charges and paul met them with the same quiet denial festus was altogether at a loss he was anxious if it could be done without injustice to conciliate the jews was paul willing he asked to go to jerusalem to be judged by the sanhedrin in his presence the apostle well knew the uselessness of such a proceeding i stand at caesar's tribunal he said to caesar i appeal nothing remained for festus but to send his prisoner to rome to be tried before the emperor's court but it was his duty to send an account of the case against him and festus was thoroughly puzzled as to what he should write a few days later king herod agrippa came to caesarea with his sister berenice to pay his respects to the new governor he was a jew and festus resolved to consult him on the matter here was a man he said who appeared to him entirely innocent but against whom the jews seemed bitterly prejudiced on account of some question of religion one jesus whom they declared to be dead paul affirmed was alive herod's interest was roused he would like to see this man he said and hear what he had to say the next day a brilliant assembly was held in the governor's hall of audience at which herod agrippa and his sister with all their court were present paul was led in and festus having briefly stated the facts to agrippa invited the prisoner to speak it was the wonderful story of his life that paul told as he stood before them in chains worn with the labors and hardships he had borne for christ his sole crime he said was his belief in the resurrection of the dead did it seem so strange a thing to herod himself a jew as to the charge of preaching jesus of nazareth it was in obedience to the divine revelation at damascus that he had done so because of this the jews had sought to kill him yet he had preached only what moses and the prophets had foretold that the christ must suffer and rise again to be the light of the chosen people and of the gentiles to festus paul's impassioned words seemed like the raving of one demented much learning has made you mad paul he said you are beside yourself i am not mad most excellent festus replied paul gently i speak sober words and true then turning to herod who had seemed impressed by what he had said do you believe the prophets king agrippa he asked him i know that you believe them paul's words had astonished herod he had felt himself moved against his will by that burning tide of eloquence the question brought him suddenly to himself 
a little more and you would persuade me to be a Christian, he answered half laughing. Paul's eyes swept the circle of faces before him. With a sudden passionate gesture he raised his feathered hands to heaven. I would to God, he cried, that you and all who are here with you today were altogether such as I am. The sound of the change reminded him suddenly of his condition. Except these bonds, he added softly, and the soldiers led him from the hall. This man has done nothing worthy of prison or of death, was the general verdict. He might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. It was too late. He had appealed to Rome, and to Rome he must go. He was therefore confided to the care of a centurion called Julius, who was about to embark with a convoy of prisoners for Italy. Luke and Aristarchus, a faithful disciple of Thessalonica, were allowed to go with him, for Julius had received orders to treat Paul with kindness and courtesy. The ship in which they sailed from Myra was a grain transport on its way from Alexandria to Naples. The wind was against them, and they pushed on with difficulty, to a small bay called Fairhavens, on the southern coast of Crete. It was not a good harbour to winter in, but the dangerous season had already begun, and a question arose as to whether it would not be wiser to remain there rather than run the risk of seeking a better. Paul was strongly in favour of the former course. He warned them that they would risk both the cargo and the lives of the passengers if they continued the journey. Julius, however, was more ready to agree with the captain and the pilot, who were anxious to reach Venice. Taking advantage of what looked like the promise of calm weather, they put out to sea, and were sailing along the coast of the island when a sudden hurricane swept down on them through the clefts of the Cretan mountains. There was nothing to be done but to let the ship drive with the wind, and to hope against hope that she might be able to stand the terrible strain. Beaten and tempest-tossed, fearing at one moment to fall into the quicksands, and at another to be hurled upon the rocks, the terrified crew lightened the ship by casting overboard the greater part of the cargo. The next day, all that could be spared of the ship's tackle was sacrificed, but still the storm continued, seeming rather to increase in fury than to show signs of clearing. A thick darkness enveloped the vessel, while the sailors, losing courage, gave up all hope and resigned themselves to their fate, refusing even to take food. But there was one man on board for whom death had no terrors. You would have done better, said Paul to his terrified shipmates, to have listened to my advice and to have remained in harbour. But now, since we have incurred this danger, hear my words and take courage. This night there stood by me an angel of the Lord, whose I am and whom I serve. Fear not, Paul, he said, for you shall stand at Caesar's tribunal, and God has given you all that are with you in the ship. Take heart, therefore, for as it has been told me, so shall it be. On they drove through the raging storm and the darkness until, one fearful night, they sighted land. Sounding, 
they found that the water grew shallower as they advanced they had not been mistaken but what kind of coast were they approaching had they escaped so far only to fall upon the rocks casting out four anchors from the stern they waited anxiously for the day the sailors in the meantime knowing that land was near and thinking only of their own safety proceeded under pretence of being busy about the anchors to lower the boat but paul's watchful eyes were upon them he warned julius who gave orders to the soldiers to cut the ropes and the boat fell into the sea the terrified and fasting passengers were in no condition to battle for their lives taking bread in his hands paul gave thanks to god broke it and partook of it before them inducing them to follow his example for none of them he said would be drowned strengthened by their repast they proceeded to cast overboard all that remained of the cargo of grain and by this time it was already day it was an unknown coast that the first streaks of dawn revealed to them they lay directly opposite a small creek or bay into which they resolved if possible to run the ship cutting the cables they hoisted her sail to the wind and made for the opening but midway between them and the shore was a shoal or reef on which the ship ran aground the forepart of the vessel stuck fast while the hinder part was rapidly being beaten to pieces by the waves swimming was now the only chance of safety but it also was a chance of escape for the prisoners the soldiers would have put them all to death as the safest and shortest way but julius anxious to save paul intervened let those who could swim he said leave the ship at once that reaching land they might do what they could to help the others the rest seizing boats and planks and anything they could find cast themselves overboard and all reached the shore in safety the inhabitants of the island who had hastened to the spot treated the shipwrecked crew with great kindness it was the island of melita or malta they said as they made a fire to dry the shivering strangers paul who was working with them had just thrown a bundle of sticks into the flames when a viper roused by the heat fastened on him with its poisonous fangs the islanders seeing the venomous creature hanging from his hand concluded that the vengeance of heaven was pursuing him he is a murderer they whispered among themselves who has only escaped the dangers of the sea to perish on land paul who had shaken off the serpent into the fire seemed alone unconcerned at the occurrence the people expecting every moment to see him drop down dead were astonished beyond words as time went by and no evil effects followed opinions suddenly changed this man must be a god they said death has no power to harm him subsequent events only increased their veneration for the stranger the father of publius the governor of melita who had received the travellers into his house was cured by paul of a dangerous illness the news spread fast all that were sick in the island hastened to the apostle and were healed 
souls as well as bodies drew new life from his presence. The islanders could not do enough to honor the guest that God had sent them, and three months later, when the dangers of the winter being over, a ship from Alexandria cast anchor in the harbor of Malta, it was a sorrowful company that escorted Paul and his companions to the seashore, and bade them a sad farewell. Landing at Puteoli, the centurion Julius, having remained a few days at Naples, that Paul might visit the brethren, set out with his prisoners and his troop to Rome. The Christian community had heard of the apostle's arrival, and came a long way out to meet him. Cheered and encouraged by their loving reception, he entered the city, where, seven years later, he was to meet a martyr's death. End of chapter 10